things that bump in the night. Things that creep us out. Voices from another realm. The figures that move out of the corner of your eye. That odd light in the sky. Welcome back to another episode of It Came From Amity. We've got another list today, don't we? We do. This one is really good. Um, this one's about Hoosier monsters. Okay. And um, and where to find them. The Hoosier devil? Yeah, well, there's no devils. Well, maybe there might be a devil. Oh, wait, or that's something a Jersey like a devil. devil. But, uh, Otherwise you, known as Snooky. <laughs> <laughs> or any of them, any of that little entourage of they all join together to form one jersey devil and it's gross and it drips hair gel (laughs) all the time so if you guys remember i don't know it's probably been about a month or two ago we did an episode on the beast of busco or busco his name was oscar is the big giant turtle that supposedly was on this farmer's pond Is busco a place in indiana it is okay and um sounds like a russian place doesn't it It kind of does busco busco so um, this list here was actually compiled by IU students Okay. over the course of two decades, from the 60s to the 80s. And so these students were studying folklore courses at IU. And over the course of two decades, they compiled their stories and their research. And you can actually go to the... Um, university archives and see these things for yourself. So this is actually legit legit as far as their research material, what they found out by going to these places, talking to these people, uh, hearing the stories and reading the stories and like newspaper articles and stuff like that. So like I said, the Beast of Busco or Oscar makes the list. So we'll probably skip him. Um, Just shortly go over what he is. Okay. Yeah, for some of you who may now have heard it, well, yeah, we'll go ahead and kind of do a brush over on him when we get to him. So this here is six of the Hoosier monsters pulled from the archives. Um, the first one is the Gully Wampus. <laughs> right? Funny Gully Wampus. Funny name, I know. And that it's that that says that's like uh like sounds like a Sesame Street creature <laughs> it kind of does and it or or like something like one of those like old uh like retired uh 49ers would say oh that's a good old golly wampus yeah. out there i'm the golly wampus <laughs> like oscar the ground like like two more mobile cousin three do you know how to count with the golly wampus right he just ate he just ate the count yeah so um so this one here uh, this is actually a part pulled from uh, one of the uh, research materials. And this is a quote. Older scouts would take some of the tenderfoots, were, were the first-year scouts, so we're talking like Boy Scouts, out looking for the gully wampus at the far end of camp. Older scouts would break up a group, leaving a group of tenderfoots out by themselves without a flashlight. 
Older scouts would then circle the tenderfoots running through the brush making wild animal sounds. This would scare the tenderfoots, causing some to cry. This is when the older scouts would stop and reassure them that everything is all right and that it is just a legend. So um, it goes on to say that there was, there's a camp uh, called Camp Louis Ernst in DuPont, Indiana. And in the 60s and 70s, they would take younger scouts out into the edge of the camp and look for a creature called the Gollywampus. And in 1977, an IU student did an interview with a former camper who experienced this in 1963 and actually said that he saw a Gollywampus and that a large hairy creature that will get you if you don't watch out and that the scout said that if it had lived at the camp since the 20s, appeared on moonlit winter nights and had flashing red eyes in the middle of its head. They also said it would tear up trees, throw boulders, make moaning noises, and grab and shake and wary hikers. The practice of tricking younger scouts is akin to snipe hunting, an initiation ritual practiced at summer camps across the United States. So, and by the way, a, a snipe is a real, or was a real creature. They are extinct. So someone take, says, hey, let's go snipe hunting. You're not going to catch one. Is it a bird? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. You would take a stick in a bag and you go out in the woods and you'd whack it with a stick and then put it in oh, the bag. Oh, that sounds pleasant. It does, doesn't it? Kind of like bashing baby seals. Little psychopaths, man. <laughs> Kids are little psychopaths. <laughs> Pretty much. So that is the gully wampus. Um, there's also the cable line monster. And this comes out of the uh, out of the research material. And this is a direct quote from it. A man was driving home one night on cable line. And he saw something, and it scared him. And he hit something and flew out of his car and thought he hit a tree with his body, and it left the impression of his face and body in the tree. So now that whenever you drive by this tree on the corner of 26 and 11, you can see his body in the tree. The thing that he saw was the cable line monster. The cable line monster. So it goes on to say that in Elkhart, Indiana, there's a legend about a specific tree on Cable Line Road. The story above was shared with an IU student in 1978 by a 19-year-old former resident of Cable Line Road. The Cable Line monster, depending on who you ask, either caused a fatal accident or stole the body of the victim. So, so he pretty much hit the tree and imprinted into it, basically? It's what it's saying, or that it caused the accident and that the body of the, and it caused an, imp an imprint in the tree of the victim. Um, but they also said that it's possible that the monster took the body of the victim um, kind of makes you think of like Wendigo a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's good. It's a good meal for the winter. Yeah. So, and that depends on who you ask. Elkhart residents say that the monster lives near the tree, and if you drive past the scene of the accident, your car will rattle and shake. Maybe it's like Ernest Scared Stupid, where the the troll lived inside the tree. Remember, I remember that? that? Yeah, dude, that movie. When I was a kid. I watched horror movies a lot, mm -hmm. but that movie terrified me. Yeah, I was not a big fan of the troll. The part I, where the kid turns around in bed and the troll's laying in bed with him. Yeah. And it's oozing out of its mouth. I, that still scares me to this day, yeah, dude. I, I, no, the troll, I mean, that, and that's a kid's movie. That thing was terrifying. It really was. Yeah. So. Uh, More terrifying than Eartha Kit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Remember Eartha Kit was the crazy old lady? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. But a really attractive Catwoman. Side there. rant, yeah. Side rant. So it is said that whoever died in the crash varies, or who is said to have died in the crash varies, as does the reason for the accident. Some people say it was a young couple coming home from a date, and the boy fell asleep at the wheel. Others say that it was a motorcycle going too fast in the rain, and so others that it was a father and his young son who were distracted by the monster. 
Whoever it was that met their end, it is said that their spirit sometimes appears around the tree, and that if you shine your headlights on the tree at night, you can clearly see the imprint of their face and body. So they don't know who it was that died? Nope. They never found like a bike or a motor, a license plate or anything I like would that. imagine that because it doesn't... Usually a car or, mo- or bike is left behind. Right, and, that, and my guess is, is that the scene was cleaned up, like, you know, like my rescue workers or whatever at the time. But even then, they would report who it was. I would think, and I and that's the part I, is I'm having a hard time understanding is like, because I don't give a date, and that the interviewee, and which was the interview was actually done in 1978, uh... He was 19 at the time, so it's, you know, you know, I don't know when this would have happened, and he doesn't give a date as to when it happened. Um, but they say that your lights will flicker on and off, and phone calls on no one on the other end. The cable line monster itself is a subject of much disagreement. It is usually said to have caused the accident, but has been described by different people as a troll. Oh, there you go. Oh. A hairy bear-like animal with glowing eyes a swamp monster, or an alien. Well, there's no swamps in Indiana. We have swamps, just not like that. Not like what you think are swamps, yeah. They're more of a marshland. Pretty much. So, I mean, is it possible that he was like a Bigfoot-like creature, maybe? A troll makes more sense than anything, you know? I mean, if you're going to go... I don't know why, but... But, yeah, I would... If I was going to go with, like, a possible cryptid... I would I would go with probably like a almost if they're based on what they described I'd say probably like a I'd say probably like a Bigfoot or something like that a goblin monster could be could be a goblin monster yeah I go with that like with an oversized head a massive <laughs> head yeah furry little body kind of like the pew, pew. you watch that uh big mouth show on Netflix the sex monsters yeah, I've seen it yeah they kind of look like goblin troll monsters yeah they do yeah. I do. That's what that's what I'm imagining. It I would yeah, I kinda actually had the same image in my head roundabouts, minus the horn. Right. But yeah. I, like they're kinda cute, but you still want to stomp them to death because <laughs> they're like not, they're not that cute, but they kinda are. It yeah, it's like um I'd say a cute spider, but I don't think spiders are cute. But no. yeah, I yeah. guess I mean some people do. Like a Furby, like a weird Furby. Overgrown, oversized, like dirty and dingy, just, and yeah, kind of, kind of. Uh, what do like they call that? Fermented butt. Yeah. What's the dog term with the hair when it starts to get mange? Nasty? Mange. Oh yeah. 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 I, yeah. That's kind of what I was picturing. My clumpy, head. spotty hair. Mm-hmm. You probably buck teeth. I'm imagining buck teeth. Yeah. Like or teeth missing. Like he like looks like an old picket fence. He might. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Gross. (laughs) All right. So the next one that they have is the Pike County Monster. And this quote comes from it. And I think H1 proceeds with a quote. Well, son, I never actually saw the thing myself, but I heard it scream. Sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before. Kind of like a woman screaming. And later when I went out for water, I seen where it had been, out the pond drinking. Left big prints in the mud. See, I don't like... I don't like lore that, or even witnesses who go on hearing only because certain things can sound completely different. Like if you've ever heard like a rabbit being attacked by a fox or something, mm-hmm. it sounds like a woman screaming to death. It really like, does. You know, it doesn't sound like a rabbit. No. So you can't go, hearing is not a credible. I would, 
But the part at the end where it said it left big prints in the mud, that's... Yeah, that's credible. But yeah. hearing, you can't go by hearing. Now, the one thing that... and, and Well, I'll, I'll read what it said about other description, and then I'll go with what I kind of think, or what yeah. I've heard about this other cryptid. So this happened in Petersburg, Indiana. It said that for many years, strip pits, which are strip mining sites near the town, were inhabited by a strange creature. The figure was half man, half ape, 12 feet tall, and left footprints twice the size of a man's shoe. 12 feet tall. And glowing eyes and darks, dogs would bark when the creature was nearby. The description above comes from a 93-year-old Petersburg resident who shared a story with an IU student in 1973, which means this resident's long dead. The reports of the creature's color varied, leading the IU student who recorded people's stories to suggest there might be multiple creatures who have lived in the area for years. According to people in town, the creature would appear one day every four weeks in the late summer and early fall of every other year. The student researcher also suggested the possibility that during its two-year absence, the creature was either hibernating or wandering the country under other names like Bigfoot or possibly Wendigo. And that was I'm kind of think going along lines of Bigfoot, and because Do you think they have individual names instead of just Bigfoot or Wendigo, maybe like because that's like me calling you human. Hey, human, what's up? I yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would I I think that his connection is, is like maybe that's what they were actually yeah. witnessing was a Bigfoot or he a Sasquatch is a or, Bigfoot right yeah and but also within the Bigfoot lore. There's different variations of that same creature, right. just like there are different colors of wolves or right. or whatever. Right. So, and it's possible he's a, you know, you know, a, a relative of the Bigfoot family, or could be. And that's kind of what I'm thinking, because like a lot of people who have never seen a Sasquatch, one, but they've encountered him at the same time, would be like scream, like these, almost like woman being murdered screams coming from a wood line that they can't see and then rocks getting thrown or, you know, shuffling through the brush. I, and I had heard a Bigfoot, well, you don't know if it's a Bigfoot or not, but what people think of Bigfoot, kind of like a wailing, mm-hmm. like someone who has like a gigantic stomach wound. Right. <laughs> just wailing. And I've heard that. Yeah. So I don't know. And I, I, that's When I first read the story the other day, I kind of thought, well, maybe that's what it is. And that's, that's where I would lean based on those accounts. Almost like a, just a sad, just end of life, groaning, moaning. I wonder if it's like a mating call. It could be their growl or their howl, could you be. know. Who knows? So the next one is the Beast of Busco or Busco. And um, this expert comes from an IU student in 1973 as he was researching. In my mind, Oscar is the ninth wonder of the world. The Loch Ness Monster being the eighth. In a way, I'm glad Oscar was never captured. If, in fact, he does or did exist, people shouldn't take his freedom away from him just because he's unique. Who knows? Oscar just may decide to show his face someday. So, in the town of Cherubusco, Indiana, in the spring of 1949, Gail Harris saw a giant turtle that was the size of a large dinner table in Folk Pond on his farm. The pond was named after its previous owner, Oscar Falk, so the turtle was given the name Oscar. After Harris's first turtle sighting, he began trying to capture Oscar, drawing curious onlookers from across the state. Gail's efforts, however, were plagued by bad luck. He attempted to drain lake, but he got appendicitis and could not continue. Then, he and another tur- turtle tourist rented a diving suit, but their plans were foiled when the helmet leaked. Um, 
They also used uh, a water weasel. A water weasel? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they said they could see what looked like a turtle moving under the ice when the lake was frozen over. But no official sighting besides Harris's was documented. But that didn't stop Oscar's popularity, though. Hundreds, if not thousands, of people traveled to the farm hoping to glimpse the giant ter- reptile. And some reports suggest the Cincinnati Zoo asked to take Oscar if they could locate him. Although the zoo now denies this. Even the Indiana Society for the Protection of Cruelty to Animals got involved, saying that Oscar should not be harpooned. Eventually, Harris spent so much money and time trying to find this mysterious turtle that he lost his farm. Now, when we talked about Oscar, Beast of Busco, uh, when we did our research on it, what we turned up is that basically uh, Mr. Harris spent so much time looking for the turtle, he never really took the time to cultivate his fields and do what yeah, he was supposed to do. He's like the classic tale of someone who obsesses over something mm-hmm. to the point where their life goes to hell because of it. Yeah, he's basically what you would say the cautionary tale of obsession. It's like in every monster movie or serial killer movie mm-hmm. or like I Know What You Did Last Summer. There's the one guy who'd seen evidence of it and he's the town crazy one, yep. right? That's, that's basically who he is. He almost reminds me of um, the captain from Moby Dick. But then he ends up coming through and saving the kids at the end of the day, at the very end of this movie, right? Like, that's the same guy. Except this guy never did find his Oscar. And, no. He lost yeah. his wife and family and farm and yeah. <laughs> basically. And I, think I don't he, know why I'm laughing. I, <laughs> apparently, Noah likes trauma. I do. <laughs> I like drama. Drama. Drama leads to trauma. Oh, that, that that's true too. <laughs> I like it before it turns into trauma. There, there. Yeah. And then you know the trauma. Well, I guess if you're like in true crime and yeah, I mean I'm I'm like a moth to flame to that kind of stuff. True. Yeah. People so, get murdered in their cabin. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make an episode. Yeah. So this one here is called the Lake Manitou Sea Monster. Oh, I just burnt the shit out of my mouth on that coffee. Anyway, <laughs> Lake Manitou. The next beast will be Noah Swallow and Red Tongue. Yeah, I just burnt my mouth. We're so good. One day, this fisherman came in for fishing, and he was soaking wet. People asked him, what happened? How come you're all wet? He said, a great big monster came out of the water and tipped my boat over. I went flying out into the water. I had to swim all the way here with the monster chasing me. All the people just laughed and said, oh, sure, and took it off like he was drunk. Well, as days, months, and years passed, other people... And fishermen said they had been turned over, and people along the shore said they had seen this big monster out in the lake. Pretty soon, they start believing it. So people went out to see if they could look at it, and search parties went out, but they couldn't find anything. Then, in about 1952, this one fisherman, boy, he was lucky, he caught this big 10-foot, 200-pound bass. Well, after that, no one else ever saw that monster. People went out in search parties, but never saw the monster, so they think that the monster was... This big bass. Did you say 10-foot bass? 10-foot, 200 pounds. Okay, if it was 10-foot, it had to be bigger than 200 pounds. I mean, depending on how lean it was. Bass are huge, though. Yeah, they got big bellies. Yeah. That's insane, dude. Yeah. I'd have to look that up because, like, I would actually want to know if that's, like, the official state record for bass. That's That's an alien fish there, man. Oh, yeah. So, a little background on Lake Manitou is that it is a man-made reservoir near Rochester, Indiana, created in 1828 as part of a treaty between the U.S. government and the Potawatomi tribe. The tribe called it Lake Manitou, or Devil's Lake, 
supposedly because they believed a monster lived in it. Sounds like a good vacation spot. It does. Kinda Let's go to go. Devil's Lake. I kind of want to go. Uh, supposedly, because, yeah, an IU student recorded the story above from a Manitow local in 1978 and suggested in his analysis that legend was intended to explain the many disappearances in the lake. According to that report, the stories continued at least into the 50s, but other sources suggest that the sightings occurred mostly in the 19th century, particularly around 1838, when the Potawatomi people were forced to leave their land. So, never trust the government. I think that's what we... Yeah, never trust the government. I think that's what the background here is. But that's, I mean, I'm interested in the part about the big bass. I mean, not just because I'm a fisherman, but if that's the case, in 52, a boy catches his... Could you imagine filleting that thing? I... Here's the thing that I'm I'm I, I'm just wondering. So there, here's a boy, and so it says. Oh no no no! Sorry, it's a fisherman. He wasn't a boy. Sorry, but this fisherman catches a ten foot, two hundred pound bass. Now, what would it, what was he fishing with? That w- yeah, how would that not snap the line? Yeah, that's like a human. That's bigger than most humans. Yeah, because most of most you know, I mean, I mean, I'd say line you pick up at any tackle shop is what, probably 20 pounds at the most? 30 pounds of resistance, probably. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you're not going to sit and reel on a 200-pound fish. Plus, the resistance that thing must have had could have been thousands of pounds. Yeah. Because it, when you're talking about a pound of water weight, mm-hmm. it's exponential right. when they push when they pull away. Mm-hmm. He so, must have had probably 1,000 pounds on that line. Yeah. So, I mean, it just... It's crazy. I mean, he would have had to have fought that thing all day. If yeah. it stayed on the line. And I yeah. don't, I mean, I don't know. That to me seems crazy. Or it must have just given up. <laughs> yeah. I don't see if it's that big giving up, though. Not like that. I, that, that, that. That to me is just nuts. I mean, if that's true. and then It like, sounds fake. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm kind of with you because, like, I can't imagine. Why, it, isn't, why doesn't everybody know about this, too? Yeah, because that would be like every fisherman knows this story because it's just so epic. I mean, 200 pounds. It's like bass. the story of Jonah and the Whale. Yeah, everybody would know about this. Yeah, because honestly, if you fish in Indiana, bass don't get that big like they do down south in Tennessee, yeah. Alabama, Georgia, Texas. Because those bass get big fast. Plus, National Geo and Fisherman Magazine—they'd be all over this. Oh yeah, that's something you'd see all the time. Look at my yeah. big two hundred pound. I mean, even all this time later, because that's just—I can't. It's probably an unlockable playable character in the Cabela's fishing <laughs> game, like <laughs> ten pound bass boy. That's right, and he's like. Look at my bass. Yeah. You can unlock him. It's all about that bass. Okay. All right. Off the bass. Get off the bass. I still kind of want to look it up. Just see. I do too. So this one here is the last of our Indiana monsters based on this list alone. Um, Wait, what was the monster in that last one? It's supposed to be the Manitow Lake monster. Okay. Which may be the bass. Which, which they're confusing. The bass could be that. The bass yeah. could be because after they caught the bass. I'm not denying if there was a 10-foot bass that size, it is a monster. Yeah, that is Those a monster. things should not exist. No. No. And I kind of want to be like, maybe it was a carp. Because, I mean, carp can get really massive. <laughs> yeah, but carps are so big, they would weigh more than 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. At 10-foot, yeah, they would weigh more than that. I mean, I'm... I'm like I said, I'm sure that if that was caught in 52, there's got to be some state record on it. It sounds like an eel. Maybe. More than, are there freshwater eel? Uh, 
I think so. Or a snake that maybe it's a snake who just happened to have the face of a bass. A guar. Or not guar, gar. Yeah, gar, yeah. yeah. The alligator. Those things are terrifying, dude. Yeah, they are. I remember watching that alligator hunter show. Yes. And they'd go after gar. And it's like, dude, those things are I wouldn't touch them. Now I have no desire at all to catch a gar. <clears throat> no, they look evil, don't they? Yeah, and the last thing I want to do is like, oh, you've got big, sharp teeth. I don't think so. Nope. So this one here I find interesting because I love to I love to catfish. I love fishing too. Like, I don't do it enough, but I love it. And so, like, I in the last couple of years I've really gotten to catfish. Uh, I just love catching those things because when they hit, they hit a ton, and it. I mean, mm. I love it. So this one here surrounds a catfish that's supposedly a monster. And this is the quote. Suppose you know about that big catfish in the river down by the railroad tracks. It's supposed to weigh about 150 pounds. I don't know. An old coal locomotive went off the bridge down there years ago and years ago, and he's living in the locomotive. In Terre Haute, Indiana, an IU student in 1973 interviewed an elderly plant worker about local folklore related to fishing. He shared with her the story above about a giant catfish living in the wreckage of an old train that had gone off a bridge over the Wabash River. The student who conducted the interview didn't provide much information beyond the text of the story, but there was a train that fell in the Wabash River in the 1900 Big Four bridge collapse. Despite later attempts to locate the ruins, part of the train is believed to remain underwater to this day. While the story of the giant catfish in the Wabash doesn't appear to have become very well known, it is similar to many other stories of large fish appearing in rivers and lakes across the state. Now, I'm just imagining a catfish doing renovations on its home, like ripping out the train seating, right. putting in a bed and a shelving unit. No. <laughs> Anybody who knows any catfish can get as big as their surroundings allow. Yeah, they so, can get massive. So as long as they've got a ready food source and they can continue to and and that and that ecosystem can support it, um, and the body of water can support it, the neat catfish can get Man-eater size. There are stories from the Hoover Dam being built mm-hmm. of catfish that were bigger than cars. I've heard stories that there's been catfish over at Monroe Reservoir mm-hmm. that have pulled boats. Yeah. Um, they can get massive. Because especially like with reservoirs and dams and like, uh, like and low head dams being a big one, is that you have to think, Catfish are bottom feeders, mm-hmm. and reservoirs and dams, they dump all kinds of water, and that brings in all kinds of dead fish, live fish, and anything else that these catfish can basically gobble up. and And they're and they're fish of opportunity. They don't as long as they can get it in their mouth and they can swallow it, they'll try it. Yeah, and um, well, that's why you talking about as big as their surroundings. Mm-hmm. That's why perfectly healthy fish will die if you put them in a tank that's too small for them. Right. They need space to grow. Yes. And it's and, an evolutionary thing. Right. And especially like like you're and then, you know, they need a certain oxygenation content and if the white tank's too small it doesn't support that oxygenation. So and then they'll die. They're, yeah. They, you know, and so the same thing with the natural waterways and and whatnot. Is Are that, there saltwater catfish? In the ocean? I think so. Can you imagine how big those could get? And that's the thing is, like, there there was a show that used to be on, I think it was Animal Planet. It was that guy, his name was, like, Jeremy something. He'd go around, like, 
dang- it was um, but he go around us fishing, which I'm like, can you imagine a life just traveling around the roll fishing all the time? Like, like, dude, there's whales as big as the Hindenburg. Yeah, like, what's to say there can't be catfish that size? You know? Oh, that was that was the name of the show. It was River Monsters. And mm. he and he would go and he and one of his favorite things to do was go like different places and try to catfish. Yeah, I've seen that show. And some and there are catfish out there that I wouldn't want to catch. He's got a new show now, like the Expedition X. Yeah, where they go, they went to like the Mothman and stuff like oh, that. Cool. It's pretty cool. And he does that. He sends his crew, his team. Oh, and that's then cool. They come back and report to him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, but I mean, I love to catfish, and like I said, I mean, that's that's one of my dreams right there is to catch a massive cat. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, a hundred and fifty pound catfish. Could you? I mean, that is a monster. You need some uh, special line for that. Yeah, I mean, and probably like uh, steel lead and just yeah. to support the resistance. You're and probably talking 500 pounds of pressure pushing oh, yeah. back against you. I mean, you would be talking like line and reel and all that, like like marine tackle mm-hmm. is what you're looking at. Yep. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would love to catch a 150-pound cat. But, I mean, that would be, I mean, it might not be supernatural, but that's definitely a monster. It's massive. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you got to think most freshwaters, something that big, I mean, that's ungodly. Yeah. And if you catch a big fish, there's always a bigger one. Typical, yeah. You never catch the biggest fish there is. So, yeah, you, it's always in the back of your head as a fisherman. You're like, yeah. well, I caught him. What it's else is out there? It's got to be a bigger one. I think it's fascinating how most of these stories are around some kind of creek or river monster mm-hmm. or fish or whatever. I, th- I think. Uh, with Indiana, with having as many rivers and streams and creeks as we've got, yeah, it wouldn't. It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, I pulled. I mean, there was a local um, body of water around Edinburgh that um, I pulled up a uh, snapping turtle mm-hmm. out of the lake that was as big as a serving platter. I mean, the thing was, my, yeah. of course, he comes out hissing like I just you know kicked him in the face, but. I mean, as soon as he came out, you know, hissing yeah. at me, and I'm like, oh, and dude was massive. I mean, absolutely massive. Biggest snapping turtle. I mean, I don't ever want to catch him. I don't even take the hook out of him. I just cut the line That's and let him go. That's what I did. I'm like, yep, yeah. you're done. And, and of course, they'll get still you high. so fast. Oh, yeah. And if, and if, and especially a guy like him, that's a finger get a ritter over oh, yeah. on his face. He'll rip him off. Oh, yeah. But um, I think there are a lot. Of Indiana monsters, that's just six mm-hmm. that they derived from the archive. Uh, there are more in the IU archive from this study. Uh, I, like I said, it spanned two decades. There were a lot more, but this particular article pulled six. Um, we've talked about different possible supernatural monsters in Indiana. We've talked about, you know, uh, I think we talked about the wolf in <coughs> Shelby County. We've talked about or, yeah, like some kind of wolf creature in Shelby County. We've talked about the Beast of Busco. We've talked about John Mellencamp. John Cougar Mellencamp, mm. you know. Dude's rough these Apparently days. Apparently he's a monster. That's what I've heard. Yeah. But, um. No slander. <laughs> right. Just what we've heard. I've heard from people who have spent lots of time around him that he's a monster. I've heard similar rumors. But, um. But that's just a little tidbit. Um. We actually have. I'm going to do some really nice research, uh, uh, but we have a really good episode coming up in a couple weeks that I'm going to do, um, that I'm going to do a bunch of research on just so I make sure I get everything right. Um, 
We won't say the name just in case we decide to change it. But yeah, because I mean, it might because it might take me down a rabbit hole and I we, have to compile yeah. a bunch of info. But we uh, make promises and then we feel pressured. And <laughs> I don't like doing episodes when you feel pressured to have to do them, right? Because then you just don't enjoy them. And and what we ended up doing too is, and something that we've we've done a lot better job of getting away from is taking on too many podcast projects at once right? and trying to go, okay, we're going to do this on Facebook. We're going to do this on YouTube. And next thing you know, with us both working full-time jobs on top of it, a lot of these are either half done or neglected altogether. Yeah. So you're like, okay, we've, one project at a time. Pretty much dedicated ourselves to just posting our podcast and then sharing it. Mm-hmm. But anchor does a good job of helping get that out in front of people. And our, our listeners, I feel like you guys are supportive and support us. And if we make content that you like, then you're naturally going to share it with your friends and stuff. Exactly. So that's that's what we're hoping for. Um, and I know we keep promising the YouTube channel. It does exist. The YouTube channel itself yeah. does exist. We, we have both a- have other full-time jobs. Casey's got a family. Like, we don't do this full-time. Right. So. so we are planning on making that active. It just might take a little longer and to be the product that we want it to be. Right. But it does exist. There is one piece of content up there. It is old, but it is up there. It's an EVP I caught years ago. Um, so if you go to It Came From Amity on YouTube, it will pop up. We're eventually looking to start doing maybe some live video highlights of our podcast. Yeah. Um, but I'm waiting for the studio to get set up more to where we have a nice background to do it. Yeah. So, so I mean, there are projects in the works. It just takes us a little longer than maybe some, like, you know, Joe Rogan's or, you know. Who's got a whole team behind it. Yeah, him. I mean, yeah. When, you're, when you're, I'd say, independently wealthy like Joe Rogan is, and you can say, well, I'm going to hire 30 guys and to set up a studio. I mean, that's the, fine. That's all he does now is yeah. the podcast. So it's like, good good, good for you, man. I mean, it's not jealousy. I mean, it's just saying that yeah. it's not a one hat fits all. Everything you see produced from us is made by us. Yep. And, I mean, uh, we, it's, it's not an excuse, but I'm just, you know, we are busy. Yeah, so. We curate everything ourselves as far as like in, in the writing and, and then the producing and the editing and, and then, you know, dropping the episode, it's two guys in a studio. So it does take time and it does take, and we just, we just got to, you know, and that's what we do is we just take one project at a time. But this project here, this particular episode here. Um, is one that I'm going to devote myself to. And so here in about two or three weeks, it'll be ready. It's a, it's the passion of the Casey. Uh, this one's pretty good, I think. Casey's passion project. Like This is like OG uh, creepy here. Well, let's just tell him what it is. Edgar Allan Poe, man. Edgar Allan Poe. If you guys are into the creepy, he is OG creepy. Like He is OG goth, man. Like with Without, without Edgar Allan Poe, I mean, you wouldn't have... What's his you know, name? baseline horror at all what's the cthulhu guy what's his name the author hp lovecraft yeah he came after poe right yeah yeah Yeah, i mean yeah without poe inspired him yeah without poe you wouldn't have i doubt very seriously you'd even have an alfred hitchcock isn't that crazy hp lovecraft Mm -hmm. is the og of horror stories yes right like all the massive horror stories he was influenced by poe right that's crazy. I would imagine that probably Alfred Hitchcock was too. Because if you look at some oh, of the yeah. stuff that Hitchcock movies did, and stuff, yeah. or Hitchcock did, you would you would imagine that there's a lot of similarities between that and Telltale some of Heart. Yeah. Like the Hitch the Hitchcock slow burning, heart pounding yes. drama horror. Mm-hmm. That's definitely Edgar Allan Poe. Oh yeah. So we're I'm gonna do a, a big deep dive on him and 
it might be a two-parter, but I'm going to try to get it as good as we can into at least an an hour, if not hour and a half, and just try to do it in a chunk like that. It'll be interesting. But, I mean, without him, we wouldn't have, you know, the macabre like we have today. We wouldn't have a lot of horror stuff no. that we look up to. So, so. Uh, as weird as old Poe might be, I mean, he's kind of the grandfather of it all, really. You know, another couple other to- topics that I would love to do eventually, I would love to do H.P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. and I would love to do Ed Wood. Oh, yeah. Ed oh, Wood yeah. was fascinating. I, I'm, I'd be all right with that. Yeah. Too. Absolutely. He died a really mysterious death, mm-hmm. too. So, um, so uh, to kind of clean things up a little bit, um, Poe's coming in a few weeks, and then... Um, Something Other else. stuff. Who knows what else? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much. And we are going to work on a 90s nostalgia podcast very soon. Yes. We're going to have another podcast. Um, where it's called we, The 90s Called. Yep. And I cannot wait. Uh, if you are a 90s kid or grew up in the 90s or lived in the 90s, and I don't mean as a yeah. baby, uh, if you can remember the 90s, this will be the podcast. You can for have you. nostalgia for the 90s and, and be 60 years old today. Yeah. You know, like. The 90s was an awesome decade, man. Well, yeah, I mean... Lots of cool stuff. GoldenEye. Lots of great stuff. Big wheels. Yep. But um, if you guys like this stuff, please share with your, uh, your friends and family and coworkers who like the paranormal and the creepy, the macabre, the morbid, the true crime, the gore, the blood, the guts, and the criminally insane. We got it all. It's a one-stop shop for all things creepy and uh, mysterious. Tell your friends. Yes, and with like I said, we drop an episode pretty much every Friday about 3 p.m. You guys can always share that. We have Spotify, Google, uh, Apple. Apple, Anchor are the big four that we are on. Uh, I think we're on a few smaller ones as well. Uh, if you're not sure what we're on, just go to your favorite platform, search us. If we're not there, go to another uh, we may be on that one as well. Yeah, you can um, find us. And most podcasts now are starting to go to Spotify. Yes. So chances and, are you use Spotify. And we're there. 99% of our listens are from Spotify. Yeah, so. so I mean, you probably use Spotify for, you know, your uh, pandemic podcast anyway. So go ahead and search us, look us up, and we, I guarantee we've got an episode that will tickle your creepy t- yeah. you know, creepy bone for sure. With that said, please keep uh, supporting us just by uh, subscribing wherever you're listening to your podcast. And uh, as always, have a good day, stay safe, and uh, keep listening. Thanks. Boom. Kabam.